The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masechet Babakama has been generously sponsored in our Dafyumi program by our good friend and patron and charter member of our Dafyumi class, Siyahu Ashar HaKohen and his dear wife, Rina, that Be'azat Hashem, they will have continued Hatzlacha, Harvacha, Bechol, Ma'aseh, Yedehem, Biriut, Health, Happiness, Prosperity, and much Nachat from their children. May they enjoy many years of Shalom, Bayit, uh, Tranquility, and Peace of Mind. Amen, Amen. Daf Kuf Yutet, today's Daf is being studied. Le'erim Shvat Avraham ben Esther, Ruach Hashem, Tenei'anu began Eden. Amen. We begin today's Daf on Kuf Yutet, Amud Rishon. And we are starting two lines from the top. Velo Meshumrem Perot. You're not allowed to buy uh, wood or fruit from people that watch fruit for a balabayit. Of course, you have to assume that they stole the goods. Rav Zavin Shabishtam Arisa. Rav bought, uh, she says, Havile Zemorot, like twigs from uh, the, uh, his Aris. That is the sharecropper. Amale Abaye, Beatenan Velo Meshumrem Perot, Etzimu Perot. What do you mean? Rab Zavin Shabishtam Arisa. Rab bought these pieces of wood from the sharecropper. Amale Abaye Vatenan Velo Meshomre Perot Esimu Perot. I thought we learned in the Mishnah you're not allowed. Amale Hanimili Bishome Delete Begufa Dara Mide. That's what I'm talking about. Shomer Perot that doesn't get a profit from the field. That's a suit for him because he's worried he's going to steal. Aval Aris, the Hitler Begaveh, but a sharecropper has a percentage of the fields, produce. Eva Bedenev Shekham has been, you could say he's selling it from his Heilig. He's giving you his Heilig. He has a Heilig. So therefore, it's not a problem. Tanu Rabbanan, we have a bright. Shomre Perot, Lukhin Mehen, Kishen Yosvin, Umukhin, Vasalin, Ifnehem. When can you buy from Shomre Perot when they are sitting and selling and the Baskets are in front of them, which means they're basically doing it in public, where you can see it. Now they're not going to steal in public, so if they're doing it in public, the turtane lifnehem, turtane is the scale. Moznaim gedolim rachis umochrim perot b'meshkal k'dinek atagarim. Since they're selling it before Hashiara, she says lo genavum. You can assume they did not steal. Vechulan she'amru hetmen asur. But once they say come in the back, they want to do it in hiding. Then already you got to assume that stolen goods. Lochein mehem bepeta hagina. You're allowed to buy goods from the watchmen if they're selling it from the gate, from the open gate in the front. That's Peperhesia. But again, if they say, come to the back of the garden and I'll sell it to you, you cannot because you got to assume they're stealing. Itmar, Gazlan, Me'emat, Mutalik, Notemenu. A guy stole, has stolen goods. You know he's a Gazlan. From when are you allowed to buy from him? Which means. Uh, at what point could you assume uh, that it's permissible uh, to buy the goods and that it's not stolen? Well, normally he's a, he's a thief. So you want to know, you're not allowed to buy stolen goods. The reason why you're not allowed to buy stolen goods is because you can only cause the guy to steal more goods. Mm-hmm. It's like the Fne'ivir. You're causing now uh, him to steal more and you're, you're, you're feeding into his uh, avon. So the question is, uh, Gazlan, when is it permissible to buy? Rav Amar, Rov the majority of the goods are his, we can assume that what he's selling you is his goods, and you have the power. No, even if the minority of the goods that he sells is his, you go with the mi'ut. She says, You can assume that that what he's given you is his. Uh, he gave a ruling, Rav Yehuda, 
there was a shamosh. They come daila. Daila is the shamosh. Kidevreha Omer Afilu Miut Shelo. He ruled according to Shemuel. They could buy goods even if you, even if the gazlan, only the minority of the goods belong to him. You can still buy from him. Mamon Masur, the Mamon of a Moser. Okay, Moser is somebody that hands over the property or the money of a Jewish person to the Memshala. So the question is, what do you do with his money? So Ravuna Yehuda. One opinion says you can confiscate the money of a Moser. Biyad, with your hands. Destroy it. You cannot do it directly. Biyad. The opinion that says you're allowed to destroy his money, the money should not be more strict than his body. Just like you can kill the Moser, according to one opinion, can actually kill the Moser. So just like you can kill the Moser, so the money is not going to be more strict than his body. Uman damar asul abedo. The opinion says he cannot to confiscate the money. Dilma havale zaram me'aliyah. Maybe he's going to have good children. Uchtiv yachin rasha v'sadik ilbash. Which means the sadik prepares and the rasha prepares and the sadik wears. Which means the children will benefit from the money. Maybe they'll be sadikim. Now this over here, this interesting maharal. He asks, why do they call the moser a masur? Call him a moser. Call him what he is. So he says, because the end of all Muslim that eventually they become Masur, Biyad of Dekochavim. They end up getting killed by of Dekochavim. So therefore, the uh, Gemara is calling them Al Shem Sofan. Every Moser eventually is Masur. Furthermore, the Mefarshin asks, the Bet Shemuel, why do we call him Al Shem Sofo? Call him Al Shem Tailatoy. Now he's a Moser. What are you calling him according to his ending? So he says, because. The Moser really didn't do anything that wasn't pre uh, 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 pre uh, uh, determined to happen. Which means the Moser that took money and caused people financial loss, Hakadosh Baruch Hu brought that Gezeran Klai Israel. The Moser he's getting punished because he used his Bechirach of Sheet, his free will, the wrong way. So he's not necessarily a Moser; he's Masud, which means. He's, uh, we talk about Hashem Sofo, what's going to happen to him. But we don't call him in a proactive sense, because it would have happened anyway. It's just he's getting his honest because who told you to be the Shaliyah? And therefore, since he made a bad decision, so therefore, he gets punished. But you have to look at it as, it's not necessarily the Moser, it's the Gezerah uh, V'Kadosh Baruch Hu that is behind everything. Nobody could lose even a penny if HaKadosh Baruch Hu does not will it. Even a Moser obviously does not have more power than a Kadosh Baruch Hu. A Kadosh Baruch Hu has to give him the, uh, has to have the Gezerah to, to fulfill it. Hence, every Moser, it's more a Masur. It's more what's going to happen to him more than what he did. In any event, there is a big Mahlokan amongst the Shunim over here. Are you allowed to kill a Moser by Yadayim? It's Mahlokan between the, uh, the Rosh and the other. The Rosh holds you can only kill a Moser as a Gerama. You can throw him down the pit and leave him there. But you can't kill him by Yadayim. Uh, but according to other Shonim, it's mutar even to kill a Moser Biyadayim. The famous story of the Rimigash that killed a Moser on Yom Kippurim Bishat Ne'ilah. When they, they hung him. When they asked the Rimigash, why did you wait for Shat Ne'ilah to hang the Moser? He said, I wanted a Zikhut going into Ne'ilah. So he, <laughs> he looked at it as a, as, as, a, as a privilege and a mitzvah to fulfill this going into Ne'ilah that you mekayim will be artara. Comes the Gemaran continues. Rav Chazda 
had a certain sharecropper, used to weigh the goods and give it to him, and then weigh the goods and take. Which means it seems, it seems from the shot over here, the guy was an honest guy. He had a scale, he would weigh, take his chalik, and weigh and give uh, the chalik to the rabbi. Anyway, what happened, that she says, Wow. You see, that she says the guy was like that. He was scoopy. He was, he was, he was, he was meticulous. Okay, he, he, he didn't give up from his chalik a drop. He, he, he didn't give it even an extra, extra morsel. Now, okay, the second shot of Nashi is more understandable in this Gemara as you're going to see. Second shot of Nashi was taking more than he was supposed to take. The derech of the Arisim was taking a third, and this guy was taking half. Okay, so the guy's uh, guy's outright thief. That makes more sense because look at the next part of the Gemara. Salke, he got rid of him. Now, why would he get rid of him if he was being meticulous? The second shot makes more sense, or according to the Mahar shot that says he had two scales. That's why it says takil the takil. His scale was uh, uh, one scale that we, we end up getting more, and the weights were, were, were rigged on the other scale, and it was giving the balabai it less. So basically, he was a thief. Anyway, kara nafsheh, he called on himself when he when he fired the aris. He said vitzafun la sadiq hel hoteh, and his uh, his his tzafun uh, is destined to the tzadik, the wealth of the sinner. Once he got rid of him, so now uh, he's going to get his money. He got rid of him and he took his halik back. Or he took, he took the whole halik. He was a thief, so he got rid of him. So he says, uh, the tzaddik takes the halik of the, of the sinner. Kimat, now the Gemara continues. Kimat, okay, we end the, we end the pasuk. Kimat tikvat hanif, what is the... Uh, the, the benefit or the hope of the hypocrite ki yivsa ki yeshal eloa nafsho which means at the end God is going to kill him the one that steals money uh, God is going to take his soul so what does he gain? so it says God is going to take his soul the question is whose soul? the thief's soul or the one that he stole from? some say that when a person steals He's actually taking the soul of the one that he stole from. Because that guy doesn't have any food. He took his money, and now he doesn't know, he doesn't know what to eat. This is also Gemara in the Bamitziah. Nafsho din igzal. gazlan. Some say no. It's God is going to take away the nefesh of the, of the thief himself. According to the opinion that says it's an igzal, that it's like you're killing him. Dikhtiv ken urchot kol This is the way of all people that thief, that steal money. Et nefesh be'alav yikah. They take the nefesh of the owner. The owner is in exile. He owned the goods. You steal them, you're taking the owner's nefesh. So it's like you're killing him. According to the opinion that says it's the nefesh of the gazlan. Don't steal from a poor person. Because he's poor. And don't oppress the poor person at the gate. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to take revenge and fight their battles. And God is going to steal or take away uh, from the thieves their nefesh. Now, what does that mean? That she gozel nefesh gozlehem. So that's mashma that what? That's mashma uh, that what? That's nafshoshil gazlan. 
Right, which means God is going to take the soul of the gazlan that stole. The kava it God is going to steal the soul of the thief that stole from others. The kava it kovehim. Rashi says kava it kovehim is nashon gozel nefesh gozlehim. God is going to take the nefesh of those that stole. That's the gazlan. But the other rabbi. Haketiv nefesh be'alav yikar. It says nefesh be'alav, which is mashma the uh, the guy that got stolen from the nixal. He's the owner of the goods. My be'alav be'alav the hashta. No be'alav means the the new owner, meaning the thief. Therefore, it's the, it's the gazlan. Once, once the gazlan takes it, he's the new owner. So therefore, he's going to get uh, he's going to get killed. The idach or the other rabbi haketiv the kavad kovrahim nefesh, which is mashma God is going to take the life of the gazlan, uh, those that steal. Ma and Agamemnon says no. Ma ta'am kavah. You have to read the pasuk as a reason. Ma ta'am vekavah et kovahim. What's the reason that God is going to punish the gazlan? Nishum de kavah nafesh because they took the soul of the nixal. It's explaining why is God to be kovayah kovahim? Why is God going to be gozel the nefesh of the of the of the gazlan? You know why? Because they did something to the nefesh of the nixal. They took a soul by stealing from him. So there was a mahlokit on this subject. Amar of Yohanan. Anybody that steals from his friend, even a shave peruta, it's like you're taking his soul. Anybody that steals, it's like he's taking the nefesh of the person. We have another pasuk that says. It says, even worse, that if a person takes uh, the product from his friend, it's as if he's uh, killing his children. It's like he's taking his own children away from him. From the thievery of B'nai Yehuda, So here you see clearly, from thievery, it's considered like they, was, they, they, they spilled clean blood. For Shaul and the house of blood. Because he killed the Giv'onim. Now we have to see what all these Pesukim are coming to teach us over here. The Gemara says, What are these, all these Pesukim? Maybe you'll say, when you steal, you're only affecting the person himself that you stole from. But maybe the children are not, it's not considered you're affecting them. When you steal from somebody, it's like you're killing not only him, but his children. There's no food to give his children. Maybe it's only where you don't pay. Where you just steal it outright. Maybe when you pay for it, that's called Hamas. Where you force a guy to sell something to you, so you're giving him the money and you're taking the item. Maybe it's not considered like you're killing him. Even from the Hamas. From forcing the, a person to sell, Hashem shafechu dam nakis like you killed uh, innocent people. Maybe it's only when you steal directly. But maybe if you steal indirectly, maybe you don't get this punishment. That Shaul Amalek are punished because he killed the Givonim. Now, when did Shaul Amalek kill the Givonim? We don't know. We look at the whole Tanakh. We don't know when he killed the Givonim. Because he accepted the Lashonara of Doeg Adumi. And Doeg Adumi told him that the people of Nov rebelled against him. Shaul Amalek went and killed the city of 
Nov. So what's what's the matter? He killed all those Kohanim. Shayu mesapekin nehem ma'im umazon. They used to feed the Givonim. So by killing Nov and Kohanim, he took the money indirectly away from the Givonim. So it was like he killed them. And therefore, it's like he killed the Givonim. So you see, even an indirect thievery, the thief is going to be Hayav is considered as if he killed them. Comes the Givonim and continues, You're allowed to buy in certain regions from ladies. Because you could assume that they got permission from their husbands. And the Gemara elaborates. Again, in the Yehuda region, you're allowed to buy Kiletzim. And from them, and linen in the Galil region. You're not allowed to buy from them wine, oils, or uh, flour. Because again, the assumption is that they took it without permission. As she says on the second column, Usually the husband sells these items. So if she's selling them, maybe she stole it from the husband and she's uh, selling the goods. You cannot buy these items from Avadim slaves because they might steal it. from the children. A lady can sell merchandise for four or five dinar, which is a cheap amount, in order for her to make a kippah for a head. A seifna, she says. The Bible doesn't care about that. The Bible doesn't care if she takes some goods to sell it. But she's going to make a kerchief to cover her head. Once they say, let's do it in hiding, then already you got to assume that it's stolen goods. That's what they want to do in hiding. Therefore, it's forbidden. Now, let's say you have the charity collectors. They come to the ladies to collect charity. The law is they're only allowed to collect small amount of money but they cannot collect a large amount of money because we're worried that maybe they're taking the money from their husbands without permission and they're giving it to charity so the ladies have to get permission if they give a significant amount of charity to the collectors but the deen are the people that work in the press Okay, that's what they're, they're called you could buy from the wives of the people that work the olive press you could buy oil in a small measure. In a small measure, you could assume that it's not uh, stolen. Veshemen bimida, and oil as well. Olives or oil? Large. Aval, large, large, large I'm sorry, large. the opposite, Savara. In large measures, because large measures, they'll notice it. Aval, lo zetim bimuat veshemen bimuat. But if you're going to sell it, you're going to buy it from them in small measures, because they stole it from their husbands. The husband doesn't realize it. Therefore, it's a problem. And she says, third line, ve'abadadim ba'ale betabad. You can buy from their wives a team. These items are normally sold She cannot sell all this. She cannot rob all this stuff and get away with it. Selling in the public. But she's selling a little. Okay. Comes the Gemara and continues the bunch of Gamliel Omer. Lokhin bin Nashim Zetim Bamu'id. You're allowed to buy olives from the lady Bamu'id. In what? You have to change that. Bamu'at makes more sense. Which means you could buy from them a small amount. Begalil Alyon. In the upper Galilee. That she says, Shashim and Shambayokir. Uh, the oil over there was very expensive so the husband would realize even if a little oil was missing because it was very expensive so in the upper Galilee you can even buy a little oil from the wife 
Adam Bosh Nimkor Al Petach Beto. Because sometimes a person, a man, is embarrassed to sell goods from his front uh, front door. So therefore, and he gives it. She's scared about that; it's expensive. Which means the the these cases over here, the, it's embarrassing for a husband to to, to to go out and peddle his goods in front of his house. So therefore, uh, the lady does it. She got permission from the husband. Why only small amount? Because Kanere, that's what he's embarrassed to do. Large amount for sure is permissible. Large amount permissible for sure is permissible. Hadush is a small amount. Because this is expensive, so he's Makpi, normally he would notice it. Oh, but still it's okay. Still it's okay, which means. Shashim Hashem Beyokim Makpi Al Devar Mu'at. Good. Okay, comes the Gemara and concludes. Navina Iklal Lebe Mechoza. Navina was a charity collector. He, used to, he came to the city of Mechoza. Atun Neshe Lebe Mechoza. So the ladies of Mechoza came, Ramu Kame, they start throwing in front of him Kable Veshire, all sorts of uh, jewelry. Kable is Shirozav, like uh, gold, uh, chains. gold chains, and Simidim. It's like bra- bracelets, bangles. Kabil Mina, and he accepted it from them. Oh, Maderevatosfa, Aleravina, Tatanyaka Beetsa, the Kame Kabilim, the Varmuat, Avalo de Varmeruba. I thought we learned the mistake only accept from them small. Uh, donations, but not big donations, because maybe they can get, get, get permission. Hmm. For the people of Mehoza, there's a small amount. They're very wealthy people. So therefore, it's a small amount. They don't have to be worried that it is stolen. And she says, Ashirim, and we continue with the Mishnah. Mokhin Shakobetz Mosi Hare Elu Shiloh. What is this talking about? So look at Rashi. Rashi is on the second column. Look at Rashi is in the second column. When you send your clothes to the laundry, so the launderer is cleaning the garment. <coughs> so he's washing it. When you wash the garment, some of the fabric comes apart. The ena balabayit makpid. The balabayit is not makpid on those little fabrics that come off the garment. Minadin Minadin, the launderer can keep those little items. The person that's makpid, he's batel, we don't care if he's makpid. It's such an insignificant item that we let him keep it. So again, read the Mishnah. Mochin Shakoves Mosi Hare Elushelo. Vasorek Mosi Hare Elu Shebalabayit. What's a Sorek? Look at Rashi. Shasorek Mosi Al Yedeha Kotzin Shekorin. He gives you an the Loa's word. Sorek Kach Shema Umanut That's the name of the Umanut Al Shem Shu Sorko Bekotzim Ke'en Masrek It seems they comb the garment They take uh, the comb It's like thorns that they prickly And they, they comb the garment to take the knots out to make it straight So as they comb the garment some of the threads come out So it seems a significant amount comes out so that the deen is, the komor has to give it back to the balabayit. So when you're a launderer, you get to keep it. The launderer keeps it, but the sorek has to give it back. <coughs> so the Mishnah continues. 
כובס נוטל שלושה חוטים והן שלו. יתר מכן, הרי הן של בעל הבית. The כובס, the לונדרה, is able to take three threads. He can keep three threads. יתר מכן, more than three threads, הרי אלו של בעל הבית. It goes back to the בעל הבית. Where are these threads coming from? הכובס נוצר גימל חוטים. דרך אורגד בגדי צמר, the way they used to weave בגדי צמר, woolen garments, לארוג שלושה חוטים ממין אחר. They would take a different color stitch, or a different uh, strength of a stitch, בסוף הבגד. והכובס נוטלן ומשווה הבגד ומייפר. In order to make the בגד equal, the כובס would take those stitches off and smoothen it out, make it perfect. So those three stitches at the end of the garment that really are an extra part of the garment that they add to it. <coughs> the kobes, his job is to make the garment nice. He can keep those three stitches. But more than three stitches, he cannot. Comes the Mishnah and continues. He's making it even? Yeah, he's making it even. notel et akol If it's black and white, which means if the garment is white and the stitching on the side that he puts on the rim is black, since it makes the garment not nice mm-hmm. to have a different color, he can keep the whole stitching on the side when he pulls it off to make the garment smooth. He stitched black on a white garment. The black causes the white to become not nice. Black and white together. So you can keep the whole thing. No, the kovetz can take it. The oreg puts it there when he makes the garment. When the kovetz gets it to clean, so he's able to... Part of, it seems in those days the kovetz wasn't well, just the dry cleaning. They used to work the begged. They used to comb it. They used to soak it. They used to do things to it, make it pretty. So part of the things that the kovetz was able to do was take these stitches that uh, would make the garment not look uh, nice. <coughs> Again, it's hard for us to relate to these uh, uh, processes because we really don't have the processes today. But in those days, these were very common. Then the Mishnah says, Hachayat, that's the tailor. Sheshiyet etachut. That he left some stitch. He left a string. Kedel letforbo. In order to use it for sewing, umatlit, or for that matter, a patch, shehi gimal al gimal. That's three etzbaot by three etzbaot, three by three. Hare elushel balabayit. That belongs to the balabayit. Rashi. Hachayat sheshiyed menachut kedelit forbu gemara mefaresh shiur tefira. How long is the stitch have to be that he has to leave that belongs to the balabayit? We wait for the gemara to explain. ומתלית שהוא גימל על גימל, חייט, זה הבטלה, שהשווה את תפילתו וקיצה עמנה מתלית קטנה שלוש אצבעות או שלוש אצבעות על אלו של בעל הבית. אז הוא מייקינג את הגרמנט, אבן, הוא קטע 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 There's a certain uh, utensil, they call it a ma'atzad. The she, I don't think it's a hatchet, I think it's an adz. 
it's an ads. It's like a um, mahalik. It would be a sander, and like it sands the uh, the wood. It smoothens them. What happens? It breaks like a little sawdust that comes off the wood, little wood chips <coughs> as a result. So it says, You can keep them. Since they're insignificant, they're small pieces, so the carpenter can keep them. However, The kashil is the kardom. That's the hatchet. So when he's uh, cutting the wood with the hatchet, obviously it's bigger pieces. So those bigger pieces go back to the balabayit. <coughs> However, if the carpenter is working in the house of the Balabayit, he hired him to work in his house. Then even the sawdust belongs to the Balabayit. That's she. He's a day worker. The guy comes to the house, he does work in the guy's house, in the Balabayit's house. Then anything that comes off of the wood goes back to the Balabayit. Nesoret, afilu dak dak. Even the small pieces of sawdust, a yotzeh mitaat hamagdach from the axe, shudak meod, or even the ads, which is very very thin, or even like the screwdriver when they when they're piercing a hole into the kadahat is when they're making a hole, right? And all they take the oil and they make a hole in the wood. Little sawdust comes out. Doesn't matter. You're working in the balabayit's house. You're spending by the day. You go and you do the. Uh, you give it to him. So he received the goods. Which means he's doing the job for a certain fixed amount of money. And in that case over there, the small amounts go to him and the big amounts go to the Balabah. But if he's a Shiriom, he's getting paid by the, by the day or by the hour. So everything belongs to the Baal Habayit. That's the way that she understands. Now we go to the Gemara. Tanu Rabbanam. When you go to the launderer and he sells you little mochin, little pieces of cloth, you could buy them from him because you could assume that they're not stolen. Because we're not in the Mishnah, the little mochin, the kobes is allowed to keep. So if he's allowed to keep it, you don't have to worry when you're buying it from him that you're buying stolen property. You're not buying stolen property because it's at Elu Shelo. So you're allowed to buy mochin from a you don't have to worry about buying stolen property. Because they belong to The kobes is able to take the top two chotin, the top two strings from the garment, and he's able to keep them. Okay, now this... This needs a picture, actually, which I think they have. If you look in your books, you'll see the picture. I'll try to describe it verbally. Basically, what they did was they tried to stretch the garment out to make it smooth, to make it straight. So how do they stretch the garment out? They take nails. They take nails. Watch. They take nails, and they put it on a board. Now, they don't take the garment and stick it through the nails itself because you'll rip the garment. So what they do is at the end of the garment they put loops. Loops, a loop, a loop, all the way down the side of the garment. And they stretch, they pull from the loops, they stretch the loops all the way and they hook it onto the nails. So therefore the garment is stretched out so they can make it, make it nice. And the problem is, 
uh, they don't want you to stretch the garment that tight. Because the more you stretch it, the more loose maybe some of the, the fringes on the side becomes. <laughs> so therefore they say, don't tie the loop that tight. Because the looser you tighten the loop, make the loop, the less you're able to stretch it. The more tight the loop is, the more you can pull it and it'll hold. So they're saying you can only tie the loops, these loops that you're putting at the end, with three stitches. That's the maximum sturdiness that they want you to have on the loop. So when you stretch it, it won't stretch that much, so the garment won't lose so much of its, uh, of its, of its threads. Let's read that inside. Velo yatilbo yoter Top Rashi on the right side. Derech surkin, the way of the surek, that's the combers. Latet lulaot shiltevi bemachat. They take lulaot, that's the rings, the loops, bemachat, and they attach it to the machat, they attach it to the nail. Leorkoshel beget, shemotchobahin, he stretches it, kishehu nisrak. And after he combs it, what does he do? Vechovto bemaklot, and then they bang it with the, with the sticks. Which is what happens, I guess, the, the spot where you put the lulaot, it's uneven. After they stretch that area, so they have to cut it, they have to take it a little off to make it smooth on the sides. That's where he takes the corners for himself. He cuts those areas off where the, where the loops were. Don't stretch it so much. Don't stretch it so much. That's it. Don't don't put the loops so much because the, the stronger the loops are, the more you have to stretch it, and the more you're going to be able to cut off after to, to, to even it out. So it's giving you a limit. Okay. Now we go with the story of Sheti Vairiv. What Sheti Vairiv? Sheti is vertical and Erev is horizontal okay like the weave exactly the olden days used to weave they used to have a sheti they used to have a vertical lines going down and then the Erev would go in and out under and over under and over in the garment so now they're discussing over here when you comb the garment which direction do you comb the garment do you comb it in the sheti or do you comb it in the Erev what does it make a difference? Can it add? They used to use different type of stitches in the sheti and in the ayriv. And therefore we're concerned if you're going to do it in the sheti way, it's going gonna, it's gonna to thread the stitches. It's going gonna, it's gonna to weaken them. And therefore they want you to do it in the ayriv way because it will be easier on the garment. So they're telling you what direction you should comb the garment in. Let's read Rashi. Rashi doesn't even say anything on this. Okay. Umashvehu leorko ava lo lerohbo. Okay, what is that talking about over there? Rashi. Makoma belitot shinimtah sham, the place where you stretched it, where it became a little uneven. Noteb misparaim, like we learned, you can cut it with a scissors. Ava lo lerohbo. You stretch it to the length side, but not to the width. Okay, so you're able to go up to a tefah. You're able to take the uh, uneven parts up to a tefah. Amar mor. 
Shnei Chutin. We said the tailor is able to take two strings from the garment on the edges. But we learned three. Which means, Alime is thick strings. Thick strings, you can only take two. However, when it comes to the thin strings, they even allow him to take three. Okay. Let's go one more. We just learned this. Don't comb the beged vertically. When you comb the beged, you comb it horizontally. We learned the opposite. That you should only comb it vertically and not horizontally. Two different types of garments. Gilima talit. Every day you wear it. When you comb it according to the vertical way, you're going you're to weaken the garment and it's going to rip. You don't wear it every day. When you put it, when you comb it, Vertically, because what happens? The issue is when you do it vertically, it causes the uh, the threads to come apart a little. So it looks nice, but because like you're making it puffy. However, if it's a thin item, which is thin, usually the shetty part is thin strings. So if it's an everyday item that you're going to wear by combing it that way, you're going to thread it. It's going to it's going to get ripped. It's going to thin it out. You're going to rip it. But she ain't got on an item that's a sarma you wear once a week or something like that. Then it's nice to do it because brush it that way because it'll fluff it up. And you're not worried about the strength of the goggles. You don't wear it every day. So therefore in that case over there we go over beauty over strength. But if you wear it every day you go strength over the beauty. We learned already when they stretched the garment they used to put something that's called the hubin. These are little loops on the side of the garment in order to stretch the garment. So they would, they would have to stitch these loops uh, to the garment itself and then they would put it on a peg and they would stretch it like we see in the picture so the Gemara says they're not to sew more than three stitches for each loop that he attaches to the garment's edge in preparation for the stretching of the garment so the Gemara says how do you judge a stitch passing the needle through in and out is that considered one or maybe going in and out is considered two so that's again what I says, Tiku. I said, well, look, how, how do you judge a stitch? Is it uh, each, each revolution is one, or each one is considered separately? Okay, Tiku. So the writer said, what? He evens the garment out along its length, but not along its width. I guess they used to give it to the tailor or the, 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 the corvets. They used to even it out. That was part of the job of the, of the, uh, of the, of the uh, cleaners. That and your ibka, but not the opposite, that you're supposed to even it out by the width of the garment and not the length of the garment. Lakashia. Ha, begilima. The first part that's talking about the length is talking about a cloak. The cloak, the, the length of the cloak is visible. And therefore you have to even it out by the length. Ha, behimyone. Himyone is talking about a, uh, a belt. 
So the belt, I guess the length is not visible, but the width of the belt is visible, therefore you even it out by the width. It all depends on which garment you're wearing. Okay, now the Mishnah said, we talked about the, uh, the Sorek. The Sorek is the guy that uh, combs the, the wool over there, out of the garment. So we said those things that he, when he weaves, it belongs to the owner. Because it's a significant amount. The, the, the stuff that comes out of the garment when he's uh, weaving it, when he's combing it, belongs to the owner. So now the Gemara is going to quote a bride to elaborate on this point. When you go to the Surik, when you go to the, the Tizler, when you go to this guy that's combing the garment, you're not allowed to take uh, um, a shreds of wool from him because it doesn't belong to him. So if you're going to buy from him, he's giving you stolen goods. Mm. So therefore, you're not allowed to buy from him. Certain places have the custom, they give it to the Tizler, they give it to the Surik. So if the, the place that they give it to him, so he can buy from him, no problem. But if he takes the wool and he puts it in a pillow, then in every place you can buy from him. Why? Because he made a shinui. And we know when you make a shinui, when you make a change, he's koneid b'shinui. And therefore, you can buy from him. For that matter, a mattress that he fills with these shreds is also considered a shinui. It's no problem. He was koneid in a physical change to place, and therefore, he's koneid. Okay, this is all talking about different items that we're not allowed to buy from the weaver. En lokein megardi. You're not allowed to buy from the gardi lo irin. Irin is woolen stoppers. Okay, you want to look at the picture over here? You have a woolen stopper. You see where they put the, uh, the, the bob? Where they put the, uh, the bobbin? Mm-hmm. That's where all the wool is on? So I guess so it doesn't fall out. They put on the edge of the stick these little uh, woolen uh, balls to keep it from falling off. These woolen balls that they put at the end of the bobbin. Stick mm-hmm. in order so it doesn't fall out, so it stays uh, stays even. Okay, so those items, I guess, don't belong to the weaver; they belong to the to the owner. So you cannot buy the nirin. I'm sorry, irin. Irin is the woolen stoppers, and nirin. Nirin, he calls it needlers. Heddles I have over here. What is the heddles? Okay, hmm? you want to read what a heddle is? The Shabbat, the right? yeah. Okay, to get a clearer picture of the purpose of the shuttle, that's the and the ira, okay, as well as the heedles. Okay. Heedles and the ring are called batinirin. See you see the picture over here? Basically it's these uh, 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 frames that they had over here uh, with the uh, uh, little rings uh, 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 what, 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 I guess uh, uh, threads coming down. Mm-hmm. Like what do they have over here? Uh, about uh, ten different uh, alternating on these two different uh, pieces over here, and they would use it. These frames, they would spin the, oh, 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 the, the the wool through it, and they would go up and down, and it would you know cause a wharf and a weft. It would just make the uh, the garment. So these holes that the strings would go through, these little rings, they were called nirin. Okay, so the nirin, uh, that's item velo punkalin. The punkalin are the tapestry bobbins. Okay. That they did, tapestries are woven in an upright position, because I guess it's very big. Mm-hmm. On a vertical loom, a regular shuttle is not used to manipulate the wolf and the weft. Instead of a shuttle, several pointed spools called bobbins, bobbins are used. Okay, so when you're making a bigger garment, the item is called punkalin, veloshiure pikiot, leftover spools of thread. So those, all those items belong to the owner. The guy who gives it to him provides these items. You cannot buy these things from the weaver. Ava men beged menumar. But you can buy from them a speckled garment. What does a speckled garment mean? Although the garment is speckled with different colors, which suggests that it was made from bits of wool the weaver stole from different fabrics, 
the Hadush is since it's a Shinui, uh-huh. so therefore you can call it, even though he probably stole it, because why does it have all these different colors? Right. It's Shinui, okay? That's Begad Menumar. Erev Ushti Tavui Ve'arug. What's that weft thread or warp thread? Okay, what's that talking about? That is, he may likewise buy from him spools of speckled weft thread or weckled swarth. If it's the spool, it's uh, also uh, mixed colors. It's also a Shinui. You can also uh, buy that. A physical change. And the last item was... Tavui ve'arig spun or woven. If they spun the uh, the wool already into threads, or well, kosher if they wove it, that's definitely considered shinui. In all those cases, you can buy. So give us amri hashda tavui shakne. If you tell me once you spin it, it's considered shinui. Arug mebaya. You have to tell me when you actually weave it into the garment. Pasut. Gemaras says my arig. When we said arig, what do we mean? We didn't mean woven. Tike woolen chains that are woven from unspun wool. Yeah. So they don't spin it, but they make arig, they make chains out of it. So the Hanush is, if you spin it, shinui. But if you don't spin it, but you make these tike, like these uh, necklaces, uh, these chains, it's also considered a shinui. Either or. Tanu banan. En lokhim in a sabah. We do not buy from a dyer, and the guy dyes the wool, lo otot, that's wool that was used for testing. What does that mean? Well, that was used for testing. When people bring wool to the dyer, the dyer cuts off a bit of the wool in the presence of the owner and places it into the dye to test to see if the dye will take hold. So that belongs to the owner, that sample. Right. At, at times, the dyer keeps it in his possession illegally because he forgets about it. When you go buy, you cannot buy these otot samples from the, from the dyer. Velo dugmot. No color samples. At times when one brings wool to the dye, the customer will bring along samples of dyed wool that he has already, that he wants to copy, to match it. it. Exactly. So those also belong to the owner. It's called Dugmot. Velo tilushim shel semir. No torn shreds of wool. What is that for? This indicates that he tore small amounts of wool from the various fleeces. Because you see them torn, so you know that he ripped it off from a bigger piece. So therefore it's not his. Okay. Aba lokhimen beget savua. But you can buy from them a whole dyed garment. Because, why a whole dyed garment? For we safely presume the dye would not steal such a large amount of wool. It's not able to make an entire garment. You can assume that it belonged to him and therefore it's his. <coughs> That's Beged, Savua. Tavui. Tavui is spun threads. Ubegadim. Or for that, meant, for that matter, garments. garments. Okay. That's threads and garments that were known to have been made from samples. Okay, and even though we say normally samples you cannot keep, mm. so we have to say that Shinui was taking place, and that's why he can't keep it. Again, when I ask the same question like we asked above, Hashda Tavushakil, you tell me that you can keep, uh, once already he uh, spins it, he spun threads, you can buy. Bigadim Kosh again, if he colored spin threads, if he spun them and colored them, it's Kosh again, Bigadim themselves. My Bigadim Namte. Those are felt garments that are made from unspun fibers. So yeah, when you don't spin it, so then you have a felt, so that's considered shinui as well. Okay. Felt garments are not made from spun threads, but rather by pressing raw wool until the fibers are compacted together into a firm cloth. The brightest teaches that both spinning wool into threads and pressing unspun wool into felt is a physical change that affects the the, 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 acquis- the dyer's acquisition, and therefore he can keep it. A guy gives, uh, what, hides to the tanner in order to, I guess, to tan them. The trimmings of the hides 
but trimmings we're going to call the piece of leather that the tailor cuts off the hide's edges. The edges. Okay, the edges. Uh, and the torn off wool. I guess when they tear, they got to turn to the wool that the tanners tear off the hide. Uh, who does that belong to? That belongs to the balabayit. <coughs> that belongs to the owner. Okay. Meshetif. But the wool that comes out of the water rinse belongs to the tanner. What's that? Hmm. We'll have to see what that is. Strange. I guess that is some type of... Only a minuscule amount of wool is removed in the washing process. So the oil is mafkiri to the... Uh, the launderer is called katsara. In Aramaic, that's what they call a launderer. A katsara. And that which he shortens, he takes for himself. Ah, so when you give it to the launderer, katsara ve katsara le, he keeps the The Aramaic name for launderer is katsara, from the root word of katsar. In a play of words, Rabbi Yudah says, the Mishnah's law, the launderer takes the extra threads at the end of the garment. Mm-hmm. Therefore, when he shortens it, it's implied in the launderer's name. Yeah, right, there's a katsara, the launderer used to do that. When they clean the garment, some of the, they need to straighten and do that. So he said, the edge, the stuff that comes off the edge, is minimal, he can keep. So katsara is his name, and katsara is his. Amar of Yudah. Everything, even the threads that the launderer will generally remove, Counts with respect to the measurement of the placing of the techelet in the sisit. The Yitzhak beri kapit alayu. My Yitzhak, my son, is particular regarding these threads and removes them before attaching the sisit. What is this talking about over here? So it says like this. We know that there's a law that says you have to make sisit and you have to put the four corners and you have to put a dyed blue. That's the uh, techelet. The Gemara rules that the sisit must be placed at least as far from the end of the garment as the distance from the middle thumb joint to the end of the thumbnail. So the, the distance that you have to put the uh, the strings is, uh, I guess, the hole. The hole where you're putting the strings has to be the shi'ud at least from the, I guess, the knuckle to the to the nail of the thumb. Okay, but no further away than three thumb breaths. Okay, not, not, not three etzma'ot or, or, or gudalim away. Now, the that discusses how the Mishnah's law that a launder removes some of the threads at the edge of a garment bears, because if you can remove the threads, you're going to shorten the, uh, the distance over there. So although we learned in the Mishnah that a launderer may take off the threads at the edge of the garment and keep it for himself, in the event he did not do so, those threads are considered a part of the garment and are included in the measurement. We don't say, ah, they're destined to be taken off. We say that since he left them there, they're considered part of the garment itself. We begin measuring this distance from what is presently the edge of the garment. Not from the edge that the launderer would normally remove. So if he decided to leave it there, it's there. And therefore the edge of the garment is there. And if you have a little extra, the fraying is measured as well. So let's read that inside again. I'm out of here. Even the threads that the launderer did not take off the garment are are counted for the minyan of the techelet. Where you going to put the techelet from the... From on the corner of the garment. And Yitzhak, my son, my son Yitzhak is particular regarding these threads and removes them before attaching the seed. It is not clear according to that she white of Yitzhak was particular to remove these threads. Nashma explains that there was a lucky concern if Yitzhak was uncertain as to whether the threads that were destined to be removed from the garment should be considered as part of the garment or not. Yet it's a fake. Accordingly, in the event the Lord who did not remove them, he would remove him himself. I mean, when he would, the Lord, he would get his back from the laundry. He would see he didn't take them. He didn't want to get involved in Safik. So he took the wolf himself and then measured from when they were taking over. Because he didn't want to put himself in. When he got it back from the laundry, he saw the laundry guy didn't take it. He didn't understand. Maybe even though he didn't take it, maybe it's still considered 
The laundry is in the sense that you... Do they take it next time you wash it? I don't say they wash it. They wash it. Then they return it to him. This is washing. When they wash the, the garments, the they take the thing. This is the pre-pile process. Meaning, meaning. Correct. His wife is going to wash it normally. That's right. They, they send it to the. They send it to the katzar. The katzar is doing it. He washes yeah. the garment, and as and he's washing the garment, the edges edge go to him. No, no, no. The edges washing spray. and making the garment, right? It's not because it's not like a dry cleaner. It's like it's 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 like a it's an industrial okay. thing. I think. I mean, okay, could be. Because, could because be. Otherwise, he'll take it out later. I mean, like you know, like the, otherwise the, the once if there's only if there's only uh, okay. Let, let, let's say you're like, you did in the beginning. I don't know if that's so. You could, you could I, even if it's thirty also, but he didn't take it out. So then after it comes out, pasul. No, there was no seat on the garment. He just gave him a four corner ah, garment. Gotcha. He brought him to the thing. Now he gets it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wants to make the seat out of it. Right, he says, Ah, oh, the launderer, he didn't take these the strings over here. No problem. We learned the thing about it already. The strings are there. You count it as part of the garment, and then you count the hole to, 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 to the edge. Happens to me, he didn't take them. So it's Hagberi, was Makpid. That what? He would take them all because he had a sefik. Are they considered part of the garment or not? He didn't want to get involved with them. Yeah. He removed them, and he counted the hole from the new. The, the new corner. That's the way Rajma explains. So again, the Gemara says, "Hachayat sheshiyir etahut." If a tailor left enough thread to sew with, belongs to the owner. I guess he left the thread that he was sewing with. He had, he had leftovers. So if there's enough that the uh, the owner can sew something, I don't know how much. We'll see how much. But I will say, then a, exact long piece. Then already goes to the owner. How much is considered enough that the owner can sew with? An amount of thread equal to a needle's length and a length beyond the needle. One cannot sew normally when the remaining thread is exactly a needle's length. <coughs> For after passing the needle and thread through the two materials, it, it will be impossible to turn the needle around, yeah. right? Oh, the right. So you need a, uh, the needle length and one and some. Right. right. Okay, how much is the extra? Is the extra kim lo machat? So it's really two needles uh, length? Hmm. Or is it a needle and a mashu? Well, if the hayat left the, the thread over less than the amount that it's necessary to sew with, left a piece of cloth less than three by three, it's ma'od. When the balabite is makpid on such a small amount, the balabite is not makpid on these things. If you mean that it's two needles worth, right? We understand. Because less than the mount is still fit for stitching a loop to the edge of the garment when placing it on the on the frame. Which means we understand if you tell me again, what's the shiur? Um, so that's the shiur. Now we understand. Why do we understand it? So it's, it's understood that the owner might be particular about less than this length of thread. Even such a minute amount of thread is fit for use. As the Gemara will explain. So again, what did it say? It said, "Hachayat shir etachut pachot mechdelit forbo." Pachot mechdelit forbo is less. Th- if you say it's two needles worth, so he left two needles worth minus a little. Why would a guy be mekpid? What can he do with that? Well, he could do something with it. He could uh, use it to tie the loop uh, on the sechta when you when you when we remember when you stretch the garment. So when you're putting the um, when you're putting the loops, so you can use that little amount of thread. Enough. It has a value. That's why you mean makpid. However, if you tell me it's a machat plus, and this guy's makpid, even on less, what could you do with less? Pachot mikan lemay chazi. 
What, what is it fit for? Why would a guy be makpid on a machat plus? What, 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 who should be makpid? I'll tell you what you do with it. I know. The shoot of stitching that has a value is two needles worth. Okay. That's the carpenter. Whatever shavings that the carpenter removes with the ads, that was a small, uh, like a razor item, uh, that belongs to him. Because you don't, you don't chip off so much with that. However, the, the chips that he chopped off with the hatchet, those are big chips of wood, that belongs to the owner. Okay, so the Urmini, we have a contradiction. Clearly, it says both. Both the ads, which is the smaller item, and the hatchet belongs to the Malabayat. But the sawdust that falls under the drill, that's from the plane that he, that he uh, shaves it with. Or the sawdust that he uses that comes from the saw. Oh, so you see clearly what? That we learned that the stuff that comes from the ads, that's the matzah belongs to the, Amishnah said belongs to the carpenter. But the bright of it says it belongs to the in the place where the Tana wrote the Mishnah there were two types of chopping tools the large one was called an axe the small one was called an adze and therefore the bigger one the bigger chips belongs to the Malabai the smaller one belonged to the Carpenter, but in the place of the Tana of the Braita there was only one Chopping utensil. It was the larger one. And what did they call it? Vikari la ma'atzad. And therefore, it's no contradiction. In the place of the bright, the ma'atzad was the bigger tool. And in the Mishnah, the ma'atzad was the smaller tool. Therefore, there is no contradiction. If he was working in the owner's premises, when the carpenter came to the owner's premises and did the work, everything will also the Balabat, even the minute amount of sawdust. Those people that chisel stones. Finish us tonight. Huh? Finish us tonight. We'll go one more paragraph. We'll finish the rest of it. Uh, Those that chisel stones. Right? They square the stones and make them smooth. They are not subject to the prohibition of theft. They may keep for themselves the pieces of stones that they chisel off. Those who prune trees. But a tree has too many branches, they cut off some of the branches to allow more room to grow. So what's the deen over there? That's one deen. Mefasegefanim. Uh, okay, they remove the thorny growths from the, uh, from the grape vines. That's right, that's the pruning the grape vines. Those who prune the thorn br- uh, brushes. Uh, that's removing the thorny growths from the desirable plants. Menakeshezeraim. Uh, they who weed unwanted vegetation from amongst grains. The they pruning vegetables. If the Balabite is particular, all those items all depends on the attitude of the Balabite.